Americans tend to have worse health outcomes than their counterparts in other high-income countries, despite high levels of healthcare spending in the United States. Variations in social supports and social programs have been suggested as one reason for this disparity, but in fact, social spending as a percentage of GDP doesn't differ very much between the United States and peer countries. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Rosa Tikkanen, a research associate in the International Program in Health Policy and Practice Innovations at the Commonwealth Fund. Ms. Tikkanen has co-authored a perspective article about patterns in social spending and population health. Ms. Tikkanen, what exactly do you mean by social spending? What's included under that umbrella? So social spending refers to an umbrella of social policy areas. The OECD includes things like family benefits, unemployment benefits, housing supports, retirement supports in this definition. So we wanted to look at the categories that are defined by the OECD. There's eight in total in our analysis, and they target various areas throughout the lifespan. So in our analysis, we wanted to focus on those that target early life factors, those targeting working age adults, and those targeting older adults. And how strong is the evidence that higher levels of social spending are associated with improved population health? So before we embarked on this analysis, previous research had suggested that the U.S. spends relatively less on social supports than other high-income countries. And in fact, if you looked at the ratio between healthcare spending and social spending, the U.S. spends relatively less on social supports relative to healthcare spending. And this is, of course, partly because we have the most expensive healthcare system in the world. But more recently, this narrative has started to change somewhat. And recent evidence actually suggests that our spending patterns is around average if you compare it to other high-income countries. So this left us with the question, if social spending in the U.S. is similar to other countries, but we continue to have worse health outcomes, might there be differences in the patterns in terms of spending? And we know that previous studies that have looked at the relationship between these various categories of social spending and health outcomes is a very mixed bag, but we know from a population health perspective that the more you invest in early childhood factors, the greater return on investment you will gain in terms of health benefits later in life. So, for example, if you look at the Head Start program in the United States, so essentially early childhood education, we find that a greater investment in early childhood education results in not only greater health outcomes later in life, but also reduced involvement with the criminal justice system as well as lower welfare service use. So that suggests that this is an ounce of prevention is a pound worth of cure kind of situation. So given that the United States invests less in programs that support younger and working age populations, what do you see as the effects? What happens because there are limited investments in those areas? So essentially what we found was that we don't necessarily spend too little, but we spend too late. So this means that if we're not spending enough on early childhood factors and working age support, we are essentially risking perpetuating negative health effects that start early in life and may potentially accumulate across the lifespan. And we see this as well if you look at poverty rates across different age groups. So we find that in the U.S., poverty rates for across childhood are about double compared to other high-income countries. For working-age adults, around 15% of working-age adults are in poverty as opposed to 10% in other high-income countries. 
So essentially, we have a negative cycle of intergenerational poverty, and if we don't address social factors early in life, we are essentially perpetuating intergenerational poverty and the negative effects that that can have on health outcomes. Looking at the converse, did you find any benefit from the fact that the United States is investing more in programs for older populations? Do older people in the United States do better in terms of health outcomes than peer countries? Well, we know from Commonwealth Fund studies of older adults in the U.S. compared to other countries that that is not the case. We find that health outcomes are relatively worse if you look at the number of chronic conditions, for example, that older adults have. So that suggests that even though we spend relatively more on older age benefits, they may be too late to reverse the negative health impact of early life disadvantage. And again, I'm going to reiterate the point that if you look at poverty rates in older age, we do find that they are around double compared to what other high-income countries have. So around 21% of the U.S. older population lives in poverty as opposed to 12% in the average high-income country. So that suggests that even though we spend more on a per-person level on old-age supports, we're potentially not distributing those to the people that need them the most, i.e. we're not targeting them in a way as to reduce the negative impacts for early life disadvantage. You suggest in your article that it's not the government investment, it's social factors that explain the disparity between the U.S. and peer countries. Does that perception have any validity? So obviously our study only looked at spending levels, but if you're thinking about social policy and what it means for population health, You obviously can't look at spending on a dollar level only, so social policy regulations obviously matter as well. So what we didn't look at and what obviously is important to consider for future research is things like regulations. So we know that if you look at other OECD countries, the U.S. is the only one that does not have federally mandated paid maternity leave in addition to having relatively worse employment protection. So For example, minimum dismissal periods for employees. U.S. and Mexico are actually the only two OECD countries that don't have those. In other countries, they range anything from between a month to two months up to six months, and even more than that, depending on your tenure and your position. And obviously in the U.S., the relative lack of employment regulations can have a compounding effect on health outcomes because obviously, as you know, more than half Americans or roughly half Americans have their health insurance through their employer. So the effects of job loss have a cumulative effect on health because you're essentially losing your health insurance as well, not just for yourself, but potentially for your family as well. So just to reiterate, spending is not the only thing that matters and policy also matters. So finally, can you expand on that? Where do you think we should go from here, both in terms of further research and in terms of policy changes that could change the distribution of social spending? So if we look at the evidence to date, our study was descriptive in nature. So I think if you look at what we know in terms of what types of social spending matter, there is a lot of evidence showing associations between different types of social spending and health outcomes. And that is a bit of a mixed bag. So some people have found that greater spending per person on family benefits, unemployment benefits, retirement benefits are positively associated with better outcomes like life expectancy, infant mortality, things like that. We don't have a clear picture on the causal effects of incremental spending across these categories. So that is definitely one direction for future research. In terms of policy, I think the healthcare sector 
is very keenly looking at how to invest in social determinants of health. We see that both from the provider side as well as the insurance side in the U.S., but these are targeting individual needs that may be more immediate in nature as opposed to larger intersectoral policy changes. So where the healthcare system can step in is partnering with other social sectors. For example, California has taken an approach a health and all policies type of approach that is also advocated by the WHO to work in concert with other policy areas to essentially look at where we need to invest in terms of social policy so that we can essentially improve population health. Thank you, Ms. Tickenen.